Hello everyone, good morning. I hope you've been having a great long weekend and that you've got to relax and just enjoy time with your family and friends. As you hear, I've been stuck in a room preaching to the walls. So yeah, it's great to finally be here doing it for real for the first time um, and to be continuing in our series today on life in the spirit. And I think Grant really has done such a great job so far just laying the foundation for the series as we've looked at who the Holy Spirit is that he's a person that we can know intimately and have a relationship with, but also that as followers of Jesus, if we've put our faith in Jesus, that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to us, that he fills us and he empowers us for everyday life, just not, not just on a Sunday or weekday during church events, but in all of life. And this morning, we're going to continue in our series by taking a look at something else that the Holy Spirit does. And to be honest with you, straight off the bat, I don't think that it's one of the things we find most riveting that the Holy Spirit does. It's perhaps not as glamorous or flashy or intriguing as, say, the gifts of the Spirit are, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, but it is something that gets to the very core of who we are and that it has the ability to change and transform our very character. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And if you've been a follower of Jesus even for a little while, you've probably have heard of this topic before, the fruit of the Spirit. And most certainly, if you've been a follower of Jesus for quite some time, or you've attended more than five uh, Sunday schools as a child, you would have heard of this topic, the fruit of the Spirit, and you can probably rattle off, list off all the fruits off by heart. So even as I mention this topic now, Maybe even subconsciously in your minds, you're switching off a little bit. You're like, yeah, yeah, the fruit of the spirit. I know about that. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Like, it's simple. Do we, we, do we need to preach on this? Or perhaps when you hear about the fruit of the spirit, you almost are a little bit put off. When you hear about it, when you think about it, when you read it in scripture, when you hear people talking about it, to you, it's just a reminder of all the ways that you're failing of all the ways that you're not a good person, of all the ways you're so far from becoming like Christ. And to be honest with you, that's the way that I felt preparing for this preach today. I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to stand up there on a Sunday and talk about this topic with even an ounce of integrity? Because I know what goes on in my heart. I know what goes on in my mind. And it's not always that good. It's not always um, a display of who Jesus is or the character of Jesus. I can be extremely grumpy and moody. I battle with patience. I battle with self-control. Um, so maybe like me, you want and desire the fruit of the Spirit in your life. But in a sense, you've given up on it. You've just kind of tossed it to the side and thought, you know what, I've tried. I've tried in my own strength and my own effort to become this person, to become more like Jesus, to put on the character of Christ. But it's just so hard. I can never seem to get there. I always just seem to fail. But no matter where we find ourselves on the spectrum um, this morning, I really do believe that when the Holy Spirit works um, in our lives in this way, it can be a deep and powerful thing. When the Holy Spirit produces his fruit in our life, it has the ability to change and transform the very core of who we are, to change our lives, to change the way we interact in our relationships with our friends and our family members, um, in our marriages, at school, at work, at home. It can make us live differently. And so this morning, it really is my prayer that we would open our hearts to Jesus, that we would open our hearts to the Spirit, and that we would allow him, we'd give him access to shape and transform who we are, and that God would reveal to us 
what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. But not only that, that he would empower and enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to put on the very character of Christ. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 26, or you can follow on the screen behind me. And it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And this uh, book of Galatians was written by this man named Paul. He's an apostle, he's a church planter, he's a missionary. And one of the places that Paul has gone and planted a church in is called the city of Galatia. And it's what we would know today as modern day Turkey. This is a church that Paul loves dearly. In fact, when you read behind the history of the planting of this church, we see that he's almost stoned to death for this church. He loves this church. And in this book, in this letter to the Galatians, the context in which Paul is writing to the Galatians is this. They're a new church. They're full of new believers. They haven't been um, followers of Jesus for all that long. And in fact, Paul is only writing this letter to them in about uh, between 10 and 20 years after Jesus is crucified and has resurrected. So this church community, these people, they're trying to work out what they believe about God. They're trying to work out their theology. They're trying to work out what it actually really means to be a follower of Jesus. The Spirit of God is at work. People are being saved. Churches are being planted. But at the same time, there is something else that is going on. There's a group of Jews. um, Some theologians actually say that they were the Pharisees previously. There's a group of Jews that have been converted to Christianity. And they're going around to all these new places where churches have been planted and they are spreading a lie. They are spreading a lie that in order to be a true follower of Jesus, you firstly have to be circumcised and that you still have to obey the Jewish law with all its rules and rituals and customs. They're very legalistic in their way of thinking. They essentially don't believe that Jesus is enough for our salvation. They don't believe that Jesus' death and resurrection is enough to secure our salvation, that we put, if we put our faith in Jesus, that that is enough. They believe that we need Jesus, circumcision, and still the Jewish law. And their influence has reached this church in Galatia. And so Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's saying, don't believe this. Don't believe these lies. Don't believe that you have to be circumcised. Don't believe that you still have to fulfill fulfill the law to be right with God. That isn't true. You have gained a new identity and position in God through what Jesus has done on the cross. And that you are not accepted by God because of your performance or how well you do or um, how good of a person you are. But it is all based on who Jesus is. Paul is urging them not to put their trust in the law or in circumcision. Because if they do this, Christ has become useless to them. He says in Galatians 5 verse 4 to them, he says, For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, 
You have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And these converted Jews essentially have absolutely no revelation of the grace that is found in Jesus. But he also writes to the church in Galatians, and he says to them in Galatians 5 verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, free from the law, free from circumcision. But he also says, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom as a license to sin, to do whatever you want, to live lives that dishonor God. He says, rather, serve one another humbly in love. And Paul is trying to point out to the church in Galatia that yes, these converted Jews have got it completely wrong. It's not about observing the law. It's not about being circumcised. It's not about working to earn our position in Christ. But at the same time, don't use the freedom that you found in Christ as a license to sin, as a license to live wildly, as some in the Galatian church were doing. And it's into this context that Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. He's writing this list to them to show them how um, followers of Jesus should truly live their lives. And the reality is that in the church today, we still see this happening. We still see um, people struggling with legalism, believing that they have to work to make themselves right with God, to earn their position in God. And on the flip side, we also see people who have accepted their freedom in Christ, but that are taking advantage of it, that are not living the lives the way that Christ has called us to live. And to be honest with you, I can even see this duality in my own life, in my own heart. Sometimes I'm all about legalism. I'm all about striving to be right with God. Sometimes I only feel like I am accepted by God when I'm doing all the right things. And then in other times, I can feel like, whoo, freedom. I just do what I want, when I want. Like, no, no problem. Just living life apathetically. This is the context in which Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? The core of it, what is it? The fruit of the Spirit is the characteristics of Jesus displayed in the life of the followers of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's really key, that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything we can do or achieve on our own, but we need the Holy Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit. So, so what are the different fruits of the Spirit? Paul lists them in Galatians 5. And the first one that he mentions, the first fruit that he notes, is this fruit called love. And it's arguably one of the most, it is the most important fruit that the Holy Spirit can produce and give us in our lives. Um, it's the characteristic of Jesus that essentially holds all of the other characteristics together. We see that Paul writes the, to the Galatians in Galatians 5 verse 14. He quotes Jesus and he says to them, for the whole law, the entire law, is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. The primary thing that the Holy Spirit wants to produce and develop in our lives is this love, this genuine, authentic love that loves people genuinely and sacrificially, not because of what they can do for us, but actually perhaps sometimes in spite of what they can do for us, in spite of how they treat us, in spite of how they love us. The Holy Spirit enables us to love people the way that God has loved us. And this, this is not a fruit that is um, ab abundant and blossoming and blooming in our lives the moment we become followers of Jesus. In fact, none of the fruits work in this way. Um, we don't have to feel bad if we don't have these abundantly in our lives because it's as we journey with God, as we invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts, 
to um, empower us and enable us in these things, that we grow um, all of these fruits, that we can have love for people, even the people that hurt us. Um, we will never, as humans, love people perfectly, but the Holy Spirit enables us to love people like God has loved us more naturally over time. The second fruit that Paul um, mentions in his list is this fruit called joy. And now this joy is a delight in God based on who God is, not just on what God can do for us. It's a, it's, this joy is having the assurance that God is at work in our lives, no matter the mess and chaos that surrounds us. This joy is the opposite of hopelessness and despair. It's a delight in God that goes beyond any circumstance or situation that we can find ourselves in. Of course, we are going to get upset when things come our way that we hadn't planned or hadn't expected or never wanted to happen. But when the Holy Spirit produces this joy in our lives, this true, genuine, authentic joy in our lives, then we don't need to lose it when a bad situation comes to pass because our joy is not found in the things that surround us. It's found in Jesus himself. The next fruit that he mentions is this fruit called peace. And this peace essentially is rooted in the knowledge that our life on earth is short, that all the troubles that we experience um, on earth is short, but that one day we will, if we are followers of Jesus and put our faith in him, that we will have eternal peace in heaven. Paul writes in Romans 15 verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a confidence and rest in the wisdom and sovereignty of God, not in our own ability to control our lives and make things happen. It has the ability to replace anxiety and worry when we put our trust in God. The next one is patience. And patience is a fruit that enables us to face um, troubling times without blowing up or overreacting unnecessarily. To be patient means to be long-suffering, to endure well through bad situations. The next one he mentions is kindness. Now, kindness is all about the way that we live and treat the people in our lives. It's the way we respond to people in our lives, even when they frustrate us or disagree with us or disappoint us. It's about being considerate of other people, taking into account their feelings, their emotions, their struggles. The next one is goodness. Goodness is about having integrity. A good person is the same behind closed doors as they are in front of other people. A person who is good has integrity. They're real. They're authentic. They're a genuine person. Then there's faithfulness. The Spirit of God can produce within us a faithfulness. And to be faithful means to be utterly reliable, to be truly trustworthy and dependable. It means that what we say and what we do match up. It means that we honor the promises that we make to people, be trustworthy and dependable. The next one is gentleness. We've almost done, I promise. But gentleness translated means meekness. But when we talk about a gentleness here, we're not talking about a weakness. It means that we submit our own wills and desires and powers and strength to God and to God's ways. It's the opposite of anger and rage and harshness, which we can sometimes um, treat people in that way. Gentleness, in essence, is a humility. When you're gentle in your nature, you don't need to force yourself on other people. You don't need to make your own self great. You don't um, need to make everything about you. But you can actually put other people up. You can build them up. 
You don't have to make everything about you. And the last fruit that Paul mentions, which is probably my favorite of them all, is this fruit called self-control. And I think the reason why I love this fruit so much is because I'm not very good at self-control. Um, so to me, personally, it is so wonderful that actually this is something that the Holy Spirit can produce within us. We don't have to muster up our own will and strength to try and do something or not do something, but we can call on the Holy Spirit to grow this fruit in our life. It's the ability to choose the way of God over getting our immediate pleasures fulfilled. Self-control helps us not to give in to our natural earthly desires, which are revenge and anger and lust and gluttony. It helps us not to be ruled by these things. So the first question I thought of when I read the list of these fruits was actually, why does Paul call these fruits? Like essentially they just characteristics of Jesus. This is who Jesus are. Jesus has every single one of these characteristic traits. So why is Paul calling these things the fruit of the Spirit? Um, and I think one of the reasons why he does this is because he's pointing to the fact that we need to be rooted and planted in something to have this fruit. And the thing that we need to be rooted and planted in is God. It's the Holy Spirit because this is the Holy Spirit's fruit. It's not our fruit. It's not what comes naturally to us, but it is what comes naturally to the Holy Spirit. And we can bear this fruit in our lives if we are rooted in him. We can bear fruit of our own accord, um, but if this fruit is coming out of ourselves, it's, if it's coming out of our own strength and willpower, it's not going to be genuine fruit that lasts. But the Spirit is all about transforming our hearts from deep within, actually changing our characters. Not, he's not only focused on just changing behavior so that we can appear to be better people or do better things, but he's interested in getting right down to the very core of who we are behind not just the action, but the motivations um, behind why we do what we do. The Holy Spirit is interested in our motives. What kind of person has self-control without humility? We have self-control without humility, then actually our self-control is coming out of a place of pride, a place coming out of our flesh, not of anything that the Holy Spirit has produced in us. When we have self-control that is coming out of pride, um, we maybe have the ability to be self-controlled in the fact that we, um, for example, don't get drunk. We don't get drunk. We can go out, we can have a drink, we don't have to you know, get wild or anything. But then we look at the other people around us and we see them getting drunk. And we think to ourselves, oh, I've got so much self-control. Like, I don't do those things. I've really got this thing waxed. I don't have to do that. We may have self-control in the fact that we aren't doing that thing but is that genuinely a fruit that the Spirit has formed within us? Or is it um, a fruit that we're forming out of our own strength and ability? Why are you kind? What is the reason behind your kindness? Are you being kind to people because you want them to approve of you? Because you want them to think you're a nice person? I do that sometimes. Sometimes I do something nice for someone or be kind to them because I want them to think, hey, I like this chick. She's pretty cool. But... um. What is, so what is the motivation behind what we are doing? What is the heart behind what we are doing? Because the Holy Spirit is all about filling and changing us to the very core of who we are, not just our behavior, but our hearts. He wants to change our hearts. And when we bear fruit out of a place of a fear of man or wanting to please man, 
And that is not going to be fruit that lasts. But when we come before God and we say, you know what, God, I may appear to be self-controlled. I may appear to be kind. But actually, these things are motivated by something else entirely. They're not motivated by you. God, would you come and help me? Would you come and truly change me? Would you produce in me a genuine self-controlledness? Would you produce in me a genuine kindness? I want to be truly faithful, God. I want to be truly loving to the people around me. So why do we need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? The reason we need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives is because the fruit of the Spirit brings freedom. In Galatians 5 verse 1, Paul writes that it's for freedom's sake that Christ has set us free. He says in that scripture that we are to stand firm and that we are not to let ourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. And when we try in our own strength, when we're striving, trying to be better people, trying to do better things, trying to be kinder to people, there really is no freedom in that. We almost are acting like the Jews who've been converted to Christianity, trying to do all the right things in our own effort and our own strength. And really, we just put ourselves in a jail. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you've just tried to be something that's not actually naturally in you. It's exhausting. It feels like a prison sentence that you just can just never get it right. But likewise, if we lack the Gentiles that Paul describes in Galatians, where we kind of have this apathy towards the fruit of the Spirit, we've kind of given up on it, we too put ourselves in a jail. Because when we're living that kind of life, doing whatever we please, however we please, we attach to our lives a whole lot of baggage and trauma. And for the moment, it feels freeing. In the moment that we're doing whatever we want, it feels good. But then come all the consequences. The fruit of the Spirit is righteous and it is godly, but the essence of it is freedom. In 2 Corinthians 13 verse, sorry, 3 verse 17, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Have you experienced that freedom from the Spirit? Because in our current culture, the definition of freedom is being able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. In our culture, what we desire determines who we are. And so if you cannot do whatever you want to do, then you actually just can't even be yourself really. That's what our culture is telling us. But when we look at the scriptures, we see that that's not true. That Jesus came and died on the cross and resurrected and lived the perfect life for us so that we could become new creations. Jesus shows us in the scriptures that true freedom is becoming who God always meant for us to be. And to me, this thought is extremely thought-provoking because I know for probably the majority of us, we see things within ourselves that we just know are not right. Maybe it's the way we treat certain people in our lives. Maybe it's the way we conduct our business. Maybe it's the way we live our lives behind closed doors when no one else is looking. All of those things actually stem from the core of who we are. They stem from our character. And sometimes when we force into a situation or circumstance, these things actually bubble up to the surface of our lives. And sometimes we have moments where we can see them um, acting out more clearly than in other times. And when we see these things in our lives that we don't like about ourselves, it's almost like there's this moment where we go and we know, oh God, I so desire a change in my life. I so desire for you to come and change me, to make me a new creation to bring freedom to my life from these things that I'm battling with and struggling from. And I found myself in this situation towards the end of last year 
and I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because I did preach about this previously, but um, at the end of last year, we were battling to sell our house and we had already bought a new house that was about to be transferred into our name. So we were going to own two houses at the same time and it was really worrying and concerning because with it was going to come a whole lot of financial obligations that, to be honest with you, we just weren't going to be able to manage. And at the same time, the new house was just having all these problems. We had to replace the whole roof, and it was really just stressful. And if I'm completely honest, what I saw come out of me during this time, the fruit that I saw come out of me during this time, was really gross. I, I became a really impatient person. Like, there was absolutely not an ounce of patience in me. I was like, I want this to happen. I want it to happen now. Like, I can't wait another moment. I was full of anger. Like, why is this happening to us? We're good people. What have we done wrong? Like, just angry. Angry at life, angry at the world, angry at Brendan, angry at everyone. I didn't have trust in God. I did not have a remote ounce of peace. I was just anxious and worrying all the time. And of course, as life inevitably happens and things work out, everything worked out. The house was sold. Everything happened in perfect time. And God was there. God was watching out for us. But afterwards, I just looked back. And I looked at that person that I was during that time, and I just thought, man, I don't like that person. I don't like the things that I saw come out of me during that time. And I remember praying to God and just saying to him, God, please would you change me? Because those things, yo, it's like, it's like literally being in a jail experiencing all those things. I just so craved the freedom um, from God. I wanted to change. I wanted to be different. I wanted to be more like Jesus. Um, but at the same time, as I was praying that prayer and asking God to change me, at the back of my mind, I was also like, oh, can a person ever really change? You know, it's like, can a cheater ever, ever really change its spots? And so I prayed the prayer, but honestly, I thought, oh, I know what's going to happen. The next time there's a stressful situation, I'm just going to be that same old crazy person freaking out. Like, is there any hope for me? Um, but the good news for all of us, for you and me, is that actually we can change. God can um, produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we read through those vices that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, um, anger, jealousy, rage, all of those things, they can overwhelm us a little bit because we can almost pinpoint the ones that we struggle with, the things that are ruining our lives, ruining our relationships, ruining our relationship with God. But Christ doesn't want that for us. He wants to bring life to us through his spirit. He wants to make us new creations, and he wants to change our hearts. And he does this through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit transform us? In Ephesians 5 verse 18, we see that Paul writes, and he says, Do not get drunk on wine, which is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is Paul trying to get at here? What is Paul calling us to? He's saying to us that if we are going to be followers of Jesus, Jesus has given us his spirit. He's saying to us, be filled with the spirit. That is the way that God has designed us. That is the way that God always intended for us to live, to be filled with his life-giving personal presence, his Holy Spirit, just like Grant spoke about last week. Because when we are filled with his spirit, it's then that he empowers us and enables us to change, that he produces this fruit in our lives. God's design that we, was that we would be temples of the Holy Spirit with his spirit living within us, making us new creations 
and giving us a new heart. And this is God's promise to us. It's from Ezekiel 36 verse 25. God says to us through the prophet Ezekiel, that's to you and to me, to everyone in this room, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all of your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That is a promise that God has spoken to us, to every single one of us, not just a select group, that he will clean us, that he will remove our idols, that he can give us a new heart. He can make us a new creation. His promise to us, if we put our faith in him, if we choose to follow him, is that he will put his spirit within us, bringing change and producing the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And to go back to the beginning of my preach, where we just looked at what Paul was describing almost two ways of living. Um, But both of the ways are so different, and yet they both put a burden on us. They both put a yoke of slavery on us. The first way was this living through striving and legalism, trying to be better, trying to do better, trying to be the person that I should be, that I try to become in my own strength um, and put on the character of Christ. That's striving. It's legalism. And the second way way of living that Paul describes in Galatians 5 is this way of kind of apathy and licentiousness, just doing whatever we please, whenever we please, however we please. Where are you on the spectrum this morning? We see in the scriptures that Jesus came to set us free from all of this, to make our burdens light, to put on on us his yoke, not a yoke of slavery. In um, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, My burden is light and my yoke is easy. What is Jesus' yoke? What is he putting on us in our lives? He wants to put on us his Holy Spirit. He wants to put his Holy Spirit inside of us. That is his yoke that enables us and empowers us to become more like him. That brings us freedom. Freedom from the things that we struggle with. Freedom from the things that dictate and control our lives. When we fill of God's presence, when we fill of his Holy Spirit, he changes us and works within us, and he makes us more like Jesus than we ever thought was possible. When I think back to that story of last year, um, and just praying to God and asking him to change certain characteristics of my natural nature, I, like as I said, I didn't think it was possible. But something happened this year which actually showed me that God is working in me. And I don't share the story to puff myself up or to promote myself because, trust me, I haven't put the Holy Spirit out of a job. He still has lots of work to do within me and lots of change to do within me. But um, recently, my husband, Brendan, found out um, in his work situation that he either has to be transferred to Johannesburg or he has to be retrenched. And now, at least for me, this is in the natural, a far more stressful situation to find oneself in than just not selling a house. And almost when I heard, I was like, oh boy, what are we going to expect from Kimmy now? You know, I had this kind of thing where I was like, oh, we're going to get crazy Kimmy again now. Um, But you know what? It was amazing to me. And honestly, this is only the Holy Spirit because in the natural, I am not this way at all. Just peaceful. No anxiety, no worry. I've yet to really freak out, which in itself is a bit freaky. And um, 
just full of joy. I haven't lost my joy. I'm happy. I'm happy. That's because the Holy Spirit has been working in my life. And honestly, I am so thankful to God for that. I don't want to be free from those things. I don't want to be weighed down by those things. God does work in us. We do change. It's not always instantaneous. But over time, um, as situations arise in our life, often bad ones, God reveals to us how he has been working in our hearts. And this morning, Jesus is calling us to open our hearts up to him, to ask for his spirit, to ask for his spirit that it would fill us, and that through that he would enable and empower us to become more like him. All our struggles, all our pain, all the things that we feel are holding us back, are keeping us captive, we can bring to him, we can ask to him, ask him to do a work in our lives and to free us from those things, to give us a new heart, as he says he will do in Ezekiel, in the, chapter, in the book of Ezekiel, which is in the Bible. And so this morning, I really do pray and encourage, I really do um, ask that you open your hearts to him, that even now, as the band's going to come up and we're going to um, engage in a time of worship again, that you, wherever you find yourself this morning, even if it's a small part of yourself that maybe you really desire freedom, um, you desire God to change, that we would spend time in worship, just asking God, God, would you fill me with your spirit and would you help me with this thing? Would you help to bring change in my life in this area? So can we all stand? Jesus, we really do come to you this morning, all of us imperfect people. And we just pray, Father. We First of all, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, his death on the cross, that because of that, we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to you. And I pray this morning that you would fill us, that you would fill us with your um, Holy Spirit, and that through that, you would enable and empower us to become more like Jesus the things that we feel are trapping us in our lives, the, um, the things that we feel are holding us back that we just can't seem to shake off God. I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit would bring us freedom in those areas. And if we um, have not yet become followers of Jesus, if we haven't put our faith and our trust in, in him yet this morning, I pray that from today we would look to him. We wouldn't look to our own abilities or own strength or try to strive to become something that we're not. But I pray that we would give our hearts to you, Jesus, and that you would make us new creations this morning.